0: Welcome to the NABA COP27 podcast, a series of conversations around the UN Climate Change Summit in Egypt this month, looking at key issues shaping Africa's climate challenge. I'm your host, Lamria Kinola, and this week I'm speaking with Thierry Pilskog, the CEO of SCATEC, a Norwegian renewable energy investor in emerging markets, which is the largest solar project developer in Africa. We discuss the prospects for renewable power investment on the continent, and how COP27 can help to drive momentum in the sector. Terry, thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's a real pleasure to have you with us. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Before we get into the conversation, uh, could you just uh, give us a quick intro, a bit of background on yourself and SCATEC and why specifically COP27 is important to you?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, So uh, my name is Terry Pilskog. I've I've been with with SCATEC since 2013. Uh, I've been within the renewable energy business since 2005, um, and and I'm currently the CEO of SCATEC. So SCATEC is a company which is dedicated and passionate about bringing renewable energy to emerging markets. Um, We are working across all different renewable energy technologies, so solar, wind, hydropower batteries and we are also now looking into green hydrogen and and also green ammonia. In Africa specifically we are the largest player within uh, solar, we have more than a gigawatt of uh, solar power installed in in, in Africa across African countries Um, and uh, in addition to that we are also working across uh, both uh, Asia and Latin America uh, in in emerging markets. In terms of COP27, it has uh, a special place uh, sort of in, in our heart, um, uh, given that it was in Egypt. Uh, we have a significant activity level in Egypt. We have um, also a lot of new opportunities and the new projects that we're working on in Egypt. So it it uh, fits very well with our strategy
0: and, and our current focus. Fantastic. Thank you, Terry. Thank Very important work. Renewable energy and the energy transition are of course critical to driving sustainable development and we'll get into that. But to kick off the conversation, uh, there's been a lot of discussion around COP27 as being an opportunity to really bring the priorities and needs of emerging markets as they relate to climate change to the fore and put them on the global climate action agenda. Do you think that COP27 has lived up to this expectation? Has it succeeded in really highlighting what regions like Africa need? And what would you consider to be the most significant developments in that regard?
1: Well, I mean, it's uh, it's um, um, it's a long question that you're answering. Let me start with, with the backdrop. Uh, I think the backdrop uh, in terms of... Uh, Renewable energy in terms of emerging markets in general is, is a bit dark as we, as we have moved into COP27. There has been significant headwinds both uh, when it comes to uh, emerging markets as well as climate agenda lately. I mean, we, know, we, we all know about energy and the food prices. We know that interest rates have, have been coming up. We know that in investment focus has moved from emerging markets towards more developed markets. And in general, uh, we know that the focus on energy security uh, has impacted also uh, the, f- the focus on, on climate and, and climate change. So I think the, the COP27 is coming at a very opportune time, because it is crucial uh, to maintain the focus on renewable energy and not lose focus on our, uh, our climate targets. And I believe that renewable energy is key for Africa, is really the solution to, to solve a lot of the issues that, that Africa is facing in terms of the energy sector, the power sector, and how to, to bring power to all the people living in, in Africa. As you know, there are more than 500 million people in Africa that has has no access to electricity. And I do believe that COP27 have put the focus on some of the issues when it comes to, to bringing renewable energy. To africa and, and also the, the climate change challenge um, there's been many many different de- debates we have participated in, in some of the debates that have been ongoing and i think particularly the two issues that have been addressed and and i, I don't think they are solved but they have been put on the table at least uh, one of those is uh, whether the future of africa is uh or focused on fossil fuels or to to what extent there is a combination and here i think our very strong perspective is that um, the future of africa should be renewable energy it should be on green and we think that green uh, energy can bring the most cost effective energy to africa and be part of the solution to the challenges that africa is currently facing in their power sector the other Absolutely. key topic that has been on the table and which, which is a bit contentious topic is how risky is it to invest in renewable energy and invest in general into Africa, into the African continent. Because we all know that in order to bring renewable energy to Africa, private capital is required. We know that public funds will not be sufficient. So it's important for us to motivate private capital to invest into Africa to a larger degree than what we've seen historically. And this is a topic where it will be important not only to put capital available but also to provide guarantees that are incentivizing private capital to invest into renewable energy on the continent
0: absolutely and very important context there that you outline we are of course heading into a period of pronounced uncertainty in the global economy which i think is is putting it mildly and of course that comes with headwinds for renewable energy uh, let's 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 explore that a little bit more. Um, you're, you're of course absolutely right that the energy transition is inherently important to driving climate action on the continent. Scatic is uh, committed to to making that happen. You've just outlined the need to scale up investment and to really help to drive and catalyze the renewable energy transition on the continent. You've just announced a big green hydrogen project in Egypt. I believe it's a first for Africa. What is your sense of where the, where the sector stands? And to what extent has COP27 helped to, if not drive momentum, at least you know sort of keep, keep it on the agenda and make sure that we don't lose sight of the importance of driving the transition?
1: I, I think definitely that cop 27 have, have uh, ensured to maintain and, and keep uh, uh, the drive towards renewable energy and and, and uh, the green transition in Africa uh, on, on the agenda i mean first of all uh, egypt hosting uh, cop27 this time they have uh, they have put a lot of initiatives uh, forward uh, during cop27 obviously one was uh, the launch of, of commissioning of our hydrogen Project together with uh, with Fertiglobe, uh, together with Orascom and uh, the, uh, the sovereign fund of, of Egypt, um, and this, as you said, is a, is the first of a kind. is a project that will be built out to 100 megawatt hydrogen uh, capacity and will f- will fuel then green hydrogen into the fertilizer and ammonia facility of uh, of Fertiglobe. So this is an example of how uh, in Africa there is possibility to take global leadership positions uh, related to renewable energy, and also green fuels. Uh, In addition, Egypt has launched many other initiatives. Um, There has been signing events for uh, larger green ammonia facilities and projects um, uh, in the Suez economic zone, and there's also been significant um, signing events for development agreements related to large wind projects in, in Egypt. And all of these projects are, are based on uh, the idea that renewable energy in Africa is uh, is, a, is the most cost-efficient uh, source of energy in the continent, and renewable energy in Africa is cheaper uh, than anywhere else in the world. So it's a good basis for export industries and, and, and taking that cheap, affordable renewable energy and, and transform it either into into other products, like for instance, marine fuels and fertilizers, and export that into the, into the broader market. It is also uh, a possibility, at least in the northern parts of Africa, to build out renewable energy at very cost-efficient levels, and export that renewable energy through interconnectors over into Europe, where there is currently also a significant energy crisis. So, so those are some of the initiatives that we've seen that have been driven forward by by egypt being the host uh, of, of cop 27. on top of that uh, we have seen many other initiatives as well putting the focus on uh, on africa i mean we have a uh, AfDB that have been launching funds that will support renewable energy build out uh, on, on the continent um, we have uh, we have desert to power initiative also uh, driven partly by African Development Bank, but also many other in, uh, other institutions. And all of these are, are putting focus on and, and putting capital available for, uh, for driving the growth of renew- renewable energy on the continent. But it is still so, and I'm getting back to this, the, the current situation of the power sector in Africa is that it's underfunded, uh, costs, uh, tariffs are not cost-reflective, uh, and that is a bit of a chicken chicken or egg type of uh, uh, dilemma, because at the end, we know that renewable energy is the most cost-efficient uh, solution. It can help to bring down uh, energy costs across the, the African continent. And as, uh, and as such, it is important to incentivize the acceleration of investment in, into these kinds of projects. But in order to make that happen, there will be a need for some level of risk mitigation and guarantees to incentivize that private capital.
0: Absolutely. And it's it's so important, right, that you that these kinds of projects and initiatives are being launched because it sends the right signal uh to, to the market and it sends the right signal globally. You 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 say or you point out that Africa is in principle at least, the most cost-effective part of the world to drive renewable energy. But of course, that also requires, how could we put it, maybe a change in perception and just greater awareness of what the obstacles are and how you break those down and how you can really leverage that. Uh, Do you feel that the, the message is kind of getting out there globally,
1: I, I think the message is, is is slowly getting out there in terms of uh, in in terms of the understanding that uh, that renewable energy in Africa is uh, is cost effective not only sort of uh, relative to other energy sources on the African continent but also on a global scale. So I think that's that's uh, slowly getting out there. But it's it's important to re- remember also that uh, that Africa is not Africa. I mean, Africa is is. Uh, also a group of more than, more than 50 different countries with different uh, situations, different uh, uh, risk levels, different uh, investment frameworks. Um, so there's, there's a large um, range of different uh, uh, countries that, that you have to address in, in terms of sort of moving this whole agenda forward in, in Africa. Everything from, from countries like, uh, like Egypt and South Africa that have in place uh very aggressive frameworks for driving renewable energy development and uh, and and good and strong support mechanisms for ensuring that that happens uh and then you have many other countries that are that are smaller and, and uh, economically also weaker where those kinds of frameworks and support mechanisms are, are not uh, in place yet uh and and that's what we also have to look into uh, because when we talk about uh we talk about um risk and exposure and and incentivizing private capital uh, to to make those investments across all of Africa, uh, there are different levels of of risk mitigation and uh, and guarantees that need to be put in place. And and I think that that is an important discussion to be had. It is important that the Western world, the global uh, community, looks into how uh, how they can support uh, African countries to unlock those investments and make sure that also private capital is in- incentivized to make those investments.
0: Absolutely, good reminder about the need for nuance when we talk about Africa. We're talking about a very diverse continent, of course. And you've already touched on this, but there is, of course, there's obviously a need for action on the continent. And you've illustrated some examples of how that's being driven by institutions like the AfDB, companies like Scatic that are uh, executing on large-scale renewable energy projects. But of course, there's a lot going on globally as well. Uh, To what extent? Can global action on renewable energy and the energy transition be leveraged to to move the needle in Africa, so to speak? Do you see opportunities there to kind of you know take advantage of that momentum that we see internationally?
1: Oh well, yes, uh, absolutely. I, I think that we we do see. I mean, we we see momentum globally on on a couple of uh, on a couple of levels. I mean, first of all, there is. Uh, and I do hope that that will be confirmed also when we are, uh, are done with the negotiations around the COP27. I, I do hope that we will get the confirmation uh, and continued firmness globally behind our climate targets. Um, and uh, I think there is a recognition globally that in, in order to drive the green transition, well, it's, it's not really a green transition in, uh, in Africa, it's more like a green growth, uh, I think we have to, uh, have to acknowledge. Uh, in order to drive that, there is a need for support globally. Uh, but I think that that support is going to, to be there, but it needs to be even more focused and, and, and directed than, than what it has been historically, I think. It's not only about the money, it's not only about the funds being made available, but it's, it's also about how they are being made available and, and how they incentivize the right type of activities. For instance, one thing that uh, that there is a dire need for in, in Africa is the development of grid i mean without the development of grid you will not be able to produce energy where the energy is uh, cheapest from a renew- renewable energy point of view and bring it to where we have the load centers and, and the larger parts of the population um, so, so that's one element of it the other element of it uh, as we've discussed already briefly is the fact that uh, africa has a potential of translates its competitive advantage when it comes to renewable energy because it is a competitive advantage for Africa. Africa has about 40% of the global uh, solar irradiation potential and and has a huge potential of building out competitive renewable energy and thus using that competitive renewable energy as an advantage in converting it into other types of industries, for instance, into green fuels that we have, have talked about. So the potential for Uh, Africa to think about renewable energy not only to bring obviously energy and electricity to to, to the large population and even the population that currently doesn't have access to electricity, it's also a basis for thinking about export industries, Um, and and here obviously there's a similarity with with Norway that I sometimes like to bring up, Uh, if you go 50 to 100 uh, years back in time, in Norway, Norway had access to cheap electricity based on hydropower and that was used to tra- translate and convert into for instance aluminium and exporting that aluminium broadly and building out industries in, in Norway. Today Africa has in principle the same type of uh, starting point and position by having the, the most competitive renewable energy resource uh, available on, on a global scale and thus being able to use that to also build out other types of activities, commercial activities, and and generate economic development and economic growth locally.
0: I like the distinction that you make between an energy transition and green growth in Africa. That's a really important thing to, to, to provide by way of context that in many ways Africa has a clean slate if you if you if you wish, right? It it doesn't have a lot of the legacy that um, you have to contend with in other parts of the world, and that, in principle, I guess provides the opportunity to really change the game and uh, not just think about transition, but kind of fundamentally take a different a different path towards economic development, which is one of the big opportunities. Um, a final question that that I want to throw at you, and we've we've kind of touched on this, but what would you say are your key takeaways? from this year's cup and how would you assess the prospects for scaling up renewable energy development in africa in the coming years there are obvious headwinds we've we've touched on those but there's also an obvious opportunity are you optimistic that we are going to see things heading in the right direction and perhaps even an acceleration of the kind of large-scale renewable energy development that we need to see
1: yeah, I'm definitely optimistic. Uh, and and uh, as I said, uh, Scartek as a company, we are, we are passionate about uh, about renewable energy and we're passionate about renewable energy in emerging uh, markets, including Africa. Um, uh, I did mention uh, the, uh, the chicken and the egg dilemma. And, and obviously, currently, as we talked about, power sector in, in Africa is underfunded. Uh, it is supported by the states and it's subsidized with, with tariffs that are not uh, cost-reflective. Uh, but I believe that renewable energy is part of the solution to this, but we need to start and unlock the growth of renewable energy in order to bring down the cost of energy and electricity in Africa to uh, to ensure that we build the basis for having cost-reflective tariffs in the future, because that's the only way that we can sort of form the basis for economic growth uh, on, the, on the continent Uh otherwise uh, African states will continue to have to subsidize electricity uh, prices across the continent and and, and that's not so sort of that's not the basis for continuing and and uh, and unlocking uh, economic growth so I think that is that is crucial my takeaways from from cop is that um, I think it's, it was a more diverse uh, cop probably and than, than, than uh, what, what we've seen before uh, but I see that there are many different forces driving in, in the same direction at, at the end. It's, it's not only about sort of the states and the negotiations uh, between the states, but it's also about uh, companies, uh, industries, uh, and, and what the companies want wants to achieve. And I, do, I, I continue to see a very strong and forceful, forceful drive towards um, the, the, the clean shift, uh, building out renewable energy, uh in the emerging markets and, and i also see that that drive is, is coming to a large degree also for, uh, uh, from companies stepping up to take action themselves and also uh encouraging and, and pushing the states to take the, the required actions then, and then i also see that um see that uh, both uh eu the us uh, other industrialized countries are continuing to provide commitments uh, to support the growth of renewable energy globally, uh, and specifically in emerging markets. So, so, I'm also positive on that account. But it's, it goes a bit back to what I discussed. It's important that they ensure that all the good intentions, all the funds that are being made available to drive that growth, are put uh, put in play in in the right way, and that they actually support and, and, uh, and, and is used in order to unlock private investments because it goes back to the fact that private investments will be required and we need to find ways of incentivizing private investments.
0: As you've just said, very important to remember that there's a there's a bigger picture here than the state-to-state negotiations. And uh, the way I like to put it is that this is a process and not an event. There's a very diverse set of actors that are coming together and need to come together to drive the energy transition or green growth, depending on how you look at it. And at the very least, there is uh, there's some momentum. Things are happening. And uh, hopefully, we will... We will see things heading in the right direction in the coming years. Uh, Terry, it's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, All I can say is thank you again for joining the podcast. And uh, it's great to know that companies like Skatek are out there pushing the green agenda on the continent. Thank you for inviting
1: me. And it has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you.
0: That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week. If you want to know more about NAB and what we do, please visit our website at norwegianafrican.no. Wherever you are, have a good weekend.